Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have G. Sivalingam, who's the founder of Tulip Conference. We'll be talking about the second annual Tulip Conference in San Francisco the week of June 3rd. On the Cyber Tip of the Week, we'll be talking about the fallout from the Citrix hack and the difference between password spring and credential stuffing, so don't go away. On this week's tech news, all three stories are related to follow-ups to previously mentioned stories in the past. So first up is Red Hat, which is currently being acquired by IBM for $34 billion. It announced that it was going to change its logo after 20 years. Red Hat's logo for the people in the tech world is a red fedora, and the character in the silhouette is named Shadow Man. Shadow Man is supposed to be this heroic spy figure, but after 20 years of research, Red Hat said actually most people think of him as somewhat sinister or sneaky. So with this acquisition by IBM, they're changing the logo, and not only that, to celebrate it, it's announced that six employees, including a high-ranking executive, decided to take the proactive step and actually get the new logo tattooed on their body. So you'll want to go Google that to see what it looks like. In Facebook news, because I can't seem to stay out of the news, Mark Zuckerberg, Sheryl Sanders, the COO, and Peter Thiel, who was a major investor in Facebook and former founder of PayPal, they're all being named in a shareholder lawsuit over insider trading and all the fallout from the Cambridge Analytica scandal. So just to recap, as we reported on last year, Facebook, over and over again, has been nailed for privacy violations. Uh, Zuckerberg, in testimony in the Senate, had declared that he believed Cambridge Analytica was an isolated event and then had a follow-up and say, well, actually, upon further review, we had over a dozen partners who had similar access and did similar things. The shareholder lawsuit states that uh, several executives and board members manipulated their knowledge of this information ahead of time to benefit from stock trades because at the time Cambridge Analytica was announced, Facebook lost $50 billion of market cap. Facebook has announced that there's no merit to this case, but I'll be sure to keep updating you on the latest. And finally, Citrix announced another data breach in March. And as part of that disclosure process, they've now said that they believe that that vulnerability had been in their network for over six months. Now, six months sounds like a long time, but it's actually not uncommon. There's a research poll that said that if a malicious threat vector is found by an internal employee or internal agent of a company, it usually takes about 50 days on average. But if it's reported as an outside vulnerability, it could have been lurking for 184 days. So this is not uncommon, but it just goes to show how vulnerable any organization is. Citrix, again, said that this particular breach was related to password spraying, which I'll talk about in the cyber tip of the week, versus credential stuffing, which is something that Citrix was hit with a breach on in the past. So they wanted to make it clear that they were hit again, and it was separate. Every time there's a breach of this magnitude, a company has to report it as separate incidents. And finally, Tether, which is a stable coin, 
a tether in being a stablecoin means that one dollar of value for one token. They had to admit that actually it's more like they have 74% of a dollar backing one tether. And when G comes on in the show in a few minutes, I'll be sure to ask him what that means. And that's the Tech News of the Week. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, I'm joined with G. Sivalingam, who's the founder of Tulip Conference. The inaugural Tulip Conference was in San Francisco last summer, and now we have the second annual conference coming up next month in June. Welcome, G. Hey, Keith. Thanks for having me. So, G., welcome back to the show and looking forward to this year's Tulip Conference. Let's go back into a little bit of your background. I mean, I know a lot of folks here think of you as a blockchain guru, but what is your background in this space? Uh, I was, I'm a trained computer science engineer, uh, worked in the Valley for 10 years in the technology infrastructure space, got, uh, built my career on mobile, digital payments, and that's how things evolved into uh, uh, blockchain uh, technology. Uh, because I was in digital payments and predominantly because of mobile, digital payments had exploded in uh, uh uh, opportunities and uh, we then blockchain cryptocurrencies kind of were in tangent uh, because uh, Bitcoin uh, turned 10 uh, in January so uh, Bitcoin had been around the same time had mobile had come into play so somehow I've, I've always had crossed paths with digital currencies um, so I was not taking it very seriously uh, back then but the last three years, uh, you know, things really started to go mainstream. And that's when I jumped in and I started putting myself out there and doing events and meetups and workshops. And that led to last year's Tulip Conference. Yes. So, you know, I was actively involved with that. Let's go into last year's Tulip Conference. We had speakers like Dr. Vanila Singh, Chief Medical Officer of the United States, talking about how she believed a technology like blockchain could solve for the opioid crisis. Dr. John Madison, Chief Medical Information Officer at Kaiser, who's really a futurist, talking about the promise of future technology and how blockchain solves for that. We had Dr. Mohammed Yunus, Nobel Peace Prize winner for microfinance. Uh, Kiva's underpinnings are all based on his research. Uh, Mikhail Erkman, the tech ambassador of Denmark. What were some of the learnings from having an event like that? And, and what I want to also caution is, uh, a lot of people think of blockchain as cryptocurrency. I was interviewed this week on a TV show, same thing. But we're talking about blockchain as a technology. What were the learnings from Tulip Conference 1.0? Uh, yeah, so the learnings are that it's a nascent industry and everybody is still learning. Um, so blockchain is not uh, just digital currency. There's an underlying technology. Uh, and the digital currency is a new asset class that uh, were, were, the blockchain enables to create those properties. So there's a clear distinction. Uh, there are groups of people that are interested in the, the asset class, which is digital assets and cryptocurrencies. Uh, there is a whole group of fintech and people who are involved um, in the financial aspects of this. And of course, the underlying infrastructure, which is the blockchain infrastructure, which is decentralized networks and decentralized applications. There's another group of people that are trying to um, expand and explore that arena. Uh, so there are these two groups of people that I'm saying are consistently and, and evolving and, and inventing new types of uh, solutions uh, on this platform. 
So what I saw was uh, all this come together. And that's what really uh, I learned from Tulip is that there are many groups of people doing many different things. It's like it's like Legos. You know, if I give you a, a bunch of Legos, uh, you're going to figure it out. You're going to create many permutations and combinations. And it doesn't matter what comes out of it, whether it's a, it's a great looking car or a little house or it could be like, you know, I'm not really good with Legos, but <laughs> something something that takes shape. We don't know what it is. Well, that, so, that, so that's really a great background start. Uh, as we prep for the next segment, I'm going to want to get into um, what Tulip was actually written up for, which was this whole concept that blockchain isn't necessarily just cryptocurrency. So just as a reminder, Tulip Conference is which dates in San Francisco? June 3rd through the 7th. Okay. And they can go to tulipconf, T-U-L-I-P-C-O-N.com. Yes. If you have any questions or comments about Tulip Conference, 2019, you can email us at info at svn.biz. Again, go to tulipconf.com, T-U-L-I-P-C-O-N-F.com, and we'll be right back with you, Civilingam. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. I'm joined with G.C. Valingham, the founder of Tulip Conference, and we're talking about Tulip Conference 2019. So this is one of my own questions, just because it's just recently in the news, and I talked about it in Tech News of the Week. G, Tether stated they admitted that their stablecoin is only backed by 74% instead of 100% of a dollar. What does that mean? It means that every stablecoin is not backed by a dollar. Well, let's go back to what a stablecoin is first. What's sure. a stablecoin? A stablecoin is a stable digital currency because cryptocurrencies are really volatile. Uh, so what people have done is that to avoid the volatility, they're pegging each digital currency, or I call it magic internet money, to a dollar. So every... Currency is backed by a dollar in some bank account. Um, and that's what is a very basic idea of stable currencies. There are many variations of stable currencies, but in this context, as you asked about Tether, uh, Tether is a what we call the pegged uh, stable currency. It's a dollar pegged stable currency. Yeah, and, and further, that means that for Tether, which is very closely aligned to Bitfinex, the exchange, that if you have a Tether uh supposedly you had an actual dollar held by Tether as the peg. Yeah, it's a redeemable uh, asset. So you give the currency back, you get the real dollar. So when they say that really they haven't been pegging it to an actual dollar, but 74% of a dollar, 74 cents. Yeah. What, what should people think about that when they think that they're investing, quote unquote, investing in a stable coin like Tether? Well, if you go exactly by definition of a dollar pegged stable asset it's it fails that basic definition so there's not a dollar backing a dollar there's only 74 cents backing a dollar so uh but if you take on the other sense banks do uh, fractional reserve uh banking um and where they print more money or they lend more money than they have so um if you Take in that context, they could lend more money when they have what they have in reserves. So they literally they can create money out of thin air. 
Um, of course, everybody can create money. Governments create money. Everybody creates money. I think it's the perception of money is what everybody is trying to sell. If I make you perceive that what I offer is valuable and it's stable, you're going to use it. And it's I use it. So I can take myself as an example. When I when I store digital currencies, um, I get paid in digital currencies because my conference patrons pay me in digital currencies. I can't afford to have them in digital currencies because I have to pay bills with it. So I convert them into USDT, which is US dollar tether, to avoid the volatility of the market. I don't play the market because I can't play the market because my patrons have given right. me responsibility to make the conference run. So here's a clear use case. As a business, I safeguard myself in storing digital currencies in a stable coin. So there's a clear use case to it. That's great. Well, thanks a lot, G. Really, the question of the week is a perfect segue to what we were talking about in the first segment, which is uh, last year we had the inaugural Tulip Conference. We had a lot of great guests, and we talked about we, we, it was focused on blockchain as a technology, not necessarily ICO or the cryptocurrency. And now we're in this cryptocurrency winter. And you were using the example in the last segment about Legos as building blocks. So how are you applying a conference last year all around blockchain as a technology, these building blocks, and we're currently in this concept of crypto winter into Tulip Conference 2.0? What, what's this year about? Well, in, Antar- in Antarctica, it's winter all year long. So I'm trying to take people from Antarctica and move them to, you know, uh, where everybody lives. So I think the blockchain community is kind of landlocked and that's why they feel they're in a crypto winter. Um, at Tulip, we're trying to get them off the landlock and integrate with other emerging industries. I think blockchain, from my perspective, is an amazing piece of technology and the principles behind it, the idea of creating new type of properties uh, for value creation, that you can create something in thin air and create new attributes for it and create perception of value, very powerful. So I think you can apply it in a lot of areas. We have to like leave Antarctica and move to where civilization is. So I think that's where Tulip is. Tulip is a bridge. We take blockchain as an ecosystem and we connect with other 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 ecosystems and see what happens. So, so what are some of the examples of the ecosystems that were are participating this coming year? So this year, we have a very interesting segment. I don't want to give away too much of it. Um, we're, we're definitely think that uh, Web 4.0 is, is going to be the next web. The web always evolves. And we went from Web 0, Web 1, Web 3, and Web 4 is here. So, and what's the definition of Web four? Is that that is that taking on uh, actual adoption as a moniker, as a name? As I said, I don't want to give away right. uh, a lot of it, so people should come to our conference uh, to understand what Web four is. Um, web the web web technology has to evolve, continuously evolve, but the underlying principles the the internet is for everybody. That's how it started. It's not for everybody anymore. Only few big people control the web, right? Big companies. And maybe some people are okay with it. Maybe some people are not. But it all boils down to, is there equitable opportunity for everybody on the web? Is everybody getting paid 
for their effort. That's all that matters. It all boils down to the dollars. Okay. Right? And the freedom of expressing yourself, your personal freedom, your personal protection, and your equitable spot on the web. That's what everybody cares about. So I think that's what Web4.0 is going to be about. Okay. Yeah. And then that just was uh, thinking it through. We're talking about how the internet today is is uh, really dominated by companies like Google and Facebook and Tencent and Alibaba and China and eBay and Amazon, those folks. They're doing a good job. So, <laughs> Well, people like convenience. Amazon just announced that they're going to do yeah. one day shipping, Prime, one day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, these people obsess customer experience. If you look at I, I love the videos on LinkedIn, um, on Amazon, Jeff Bezos. Uh, I, I think I'm, I admire Jeff Bezos because he's a very principled guy because when he started off, um, he took a simple idea, an online bookstore, uh, because books had the largest number of category types. Um, so he took that and he started, it was a very simple idea and he's able to grow, but what he focused was on the customer experience, right? And if you ask... Um, uh, who uh, there are a lot of people. Steve Jobs is also was obsessed about customer experience. I think Web four is going to be about the customer experience, but also the experience of of uh, uh, trust, which is lacking in the web. So I think the customer experience is not just giving you your you know um, groceries delivered an hour or the DVDs delivered an hour. I guess nobody delivers DVDs anymore, but whatever people on demand deliver on Amazon, uh, I think it's all about uh, privacy and, uh, and trust of how uh, companies leverage personal data. No, I think that's a, that's a really good point. I think that especially with all the news around a Facebook, right. And how they're constantly being dinged for these, privacy, so-called privacy violations that weren't violations. These were things that have been happening for as long as Facebook's been around. And as people uncover more and more about their business practices, people realize, you know, 10, 15 years later, how much they've given up. And so when we talk about the promise of Web 4.0 and um, not just the trust of the transaction, but actually that my information is, is going to be protected as well. That's a really important concept. So before we get into the next segment, I want to remind that people, especially in the San Francisco Silicon Valley Bay Area, they can still attend Tulip Conference. They can get tickets at tulipconf, T-U-L-I-P-C-O-N-F dot com. And if that's too hard, you can email us at info at svin.biz to find out more. Uh, we'll be talking all about the themes that G is talking about right now. And don't go away because we're going to next segment talk about some of the speakers involved in this conference and then also how you can get involved. If you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. And once again, I have G.C. Villingham, the founder of Tulip Conference, talking about Tulip Conference 2019 in San Francisco next month in June. During these week's tech news, I talked about how Citric, a major technology firm, had once again disclosed that they had been breached a second time. And the second time they were breached for password spraying 
and the first time they were reached for credential stuffing. So I wanted to talk again about the difference. And one of the reasons why I go into this every week is that people often get a false sense of security thinking that they're secure. And if Fortune 100, Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 companies get hit week after week, I just really want to caution you to always question your own information security, whether in your business or at your home. So password spraying is simply this. It's because companies have gotten more sophisticated. You might get locked out of somebody trying to access your account three times. What they do instead is they take common passwords and then take lists of common usernames. So maybe um, your name is Marco as a user ID. And then they spray the username and password combination thousands, tens of thousands of times to see that they can breach an organization. And you might think it's hard, but actually in a survey, they say that 75% of all companies, major companies, those employees, participants in those organizations, they use the same top 1,000 passwords. So 75% of everybody uses 1,000 passwords, and 87% of the population use the top 10,000 passwords. That's how common your unique password is. So when you think it's unique, it probably isn't, and that's why password spraying comes in. Credential stuffing is a little bit different. It's where people have already stolen your password from other websites, websites you forgot about a long time ago, whether internal to an organization or somewhere else. So other types of accounts, and they retain these lists, and so they in mass inject all those usernames and all those passwords against other sites. So maybe you created an account on Amazon, but you also use eBay. They're going to take everything they found on Amazon and apply it to eBay or iCloud and see if that works. So that's why they're different. The fix for this isn't too different between the two. One is multi-factor authentication. We talk a lot about how you should always have a backup plan to get back to your password if it's compromised. Maybe a text to your mobile phone, maybe a secondary email account, um, maybe some other method, but that is one safe way. The other way is these multi-step login processes that you've probably noticed your bank's taking. Also, it's good as a company to enforce password audits. So you should regularly be checking through your IT administrator or through a service whether or not the passwords you're using, because they don't need to know the password in actuality. They just need to be able to scan them and see if they're one of these top 1,000 or 10,000 passwords or if it's a quote-unquote weak password. And those are the ways you can keep yourself safe. And that's the Cyber Tip of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined by G.C. Valingham, who's the founder of Tulip Conference. We're talking about Tulip Conference 2019, which is happening next month, the week of June 3rd in San Francisco. Welcome back, G. Thanks, Keith. So early in the show, we talked a lot about stable coins, Web 4.0, and the genesis of Tulip Conference. What is this show going to be about this year? What are the specifics around this next month's show? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to have uh, about 9 to 12 tracks, and uh, these tracks would focus on uh, specific industries and ecosystems. Uh, and we think that these industries and ecosystems are emerging. Uh, we have six interesting industries and six emerging trends because we want to provide both of them as uh, we want to present both of them to the audience because there are, there are really growing industries and they're also interesting trends. They all need to be presented in a way so that people could learn from those. For example, 
we talked about Web4.0, I think 5G is going to play a big role. 5G is going to really be the next generation of networks. You're going to have, you know, gigabyte downloads on your mobile, uh, and it's it's far more cheaper than fiber optic. And that's one of the reasons Google chopped the whole fiber plan that they were going to lay out, because 5G is going to take over. 5G is going to increase uh, um, the market penetration of uh, smartphones and internet connectivity. So we're kind of taking these different pieces like blockchain, um, 5G, and uh, digital assets, and we're going to kind of create a kind of like an experience and a learning uh, of all these different types of technologies. So we call this interdisciplinary approach where we let the audience kind of put the pieces together, just like Legos. We're going to give you a, a bunch of Legos, and we want them to put the pieces together because we don't want to put the pieces together for them. We're going to bring the experts. Our keynote speakers are from Amazon, from Cisco, from Marvell, the big infrastructure company, from IBM, so from some some from emerging startup world. So we are finding people that have real depth and real expertise, and they're going to be presenting their case for the type of technology that they are they think is going to revolutionize the next wave. So, so let's solidify that, right? Because we have different stakeholders. A conference like this, interdisciplinary, with many different types of stakeholders. What is each group going to take away from it? So, for instance, whether you're an investor, whether you're a startup, whether you're an enterprise company, or others, who and what are take the are the takeaways? So let's go in sequence, right? Like let's start with an investor. Investors want deal flow, right? They want to know what industries or what's where should they put their money in? Where how how should the capital flow? So they have to be kept up with all the new evolutions that are happening. And also Tulip is just not a technology conference. Tulip is an industry conference, an emerging industry conference. Technology is one element of it. So we talk from uh, blockchain uh, to cannabis tech. So we're providing, we're presenting ecosystems. So for investors, it's a great opportunity. It's kind of a one-stop shop where they get to get a cross-sectional view across all the industries and trends. For enterprise people, they need to keep up with with whatever is out there. And there's you can read about all of these things and you know maybe you can watch some videos or whatnot, or you can go to like five different conferences to learn about different things, but they don't have all this time. So they can come to Tulip and get a cross-sectional view of what are the cutting-edge trends, what are the emerging trends, what are some of the ecosystems I need to be part of. So um, for some people, they might have a bit of everything. For some people, they might not. Um, so we are going up for a very specific audience, which is the decision makers uh, in these verticals that you mentioned, which is investors, entrepreneurs, um, executives, is that these are people who are decision makers. They're looking for key information funnels that they can plug into so they can make decisions about what how, what sort of technology they should bring onto their so, so what are some of the other examples? Because we talked about cannabis tech a little bit, and I think because it's a controversial subject, we're talking about people anticipating the legalization of cannabis and what technology would be needed to be in place in order to support the legalization 
um, if and when that occurs. That, that's that's one thing. But what are some of the other technologies that are be at the conference? So just to make that very clear, uh, we are looking at the cannabis ecosystem as a whole um, and looking at the industry as a whole. Of course, our focus is not in the crop or um, the experience of cannabis. Our focus is the many businesses and technology that are going to enable this industry because people are consuming cannabis in many different formats. So there is an opportunity here. There are a lot of amazing players, like one of our speakers is an executive from Starbucks. So um, there's one speaker, um, Hannah Davis. She's from from the craft beer industry. So these people are coming in because they see this as a very viable industry. These are professionals. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... I've heard a lot of investors are also cautiously entering this industry. So we want to provide, as I said, a view of how this industry operates in the existing regulatory climate. So we're not going to talk about regulations and all of that. I think there's plenty of of those things happening outside. But but there's so much more than just that at the conference. I wanted to talk more about some of the other tracks that are going to be conducted during this this week-long conference in San Francisco with two days of the primary conference and satellite events happening throughout the city. What are these other industries that are participating at the conference? Sure. We're going to be talking about privacy technology. Uh, we're going to be talking about disasters and incident response systems. Uh, we're definitely talking about future of automation and robotics, uh, mainly intelligent robotics uh, and cannabis tech course. Uh, And zero waste is also uh, a big topic for us uh, because we feel that there is data, the data out there shows us this is a trillion dollars of savings uh, that can be achieved if we follow some of the principles of zero waste, uh, which ducktails or dovetails into the circular economy principles. So we're showcasing about six of these industries. Um, and we're bringing experts from these industries. For example, on the automation and robotics um, segment, we're bringing John Se from Hyundai. Uh, he's a creator uh, and uh, the lead director for the Cradle Project, which is uh, bringing mobility and robotics together. Um, and also, interestingly, a lot of conferences just showcase the technology, and they don't showcase the application in the sense that uh, how can they... You know, how can they implement this on a large scale, the business aspects of it? What we've done is that we're showing some elements of technology and also another segment or element around how we can take these industries mainstream. What are the barriers for these ecosystem to explode, right, into uh, into thriving business opportunities? Well, well, gee, as always, it's great to have you here. I'm looking forward to being at the conference next month. I'm glad it's Silicon Valley Insider as a media partner. Uh, once again, if you need to get information, you can go to tulipconf, T-U-L-I-P-C-O-N-F.com, or email us at info at svnfbiz. You can still also find out if you want to be an exhibitor or a sponsor. You can still email us again at info at svnfbiz, and we'll be right back to close the show with G on The Pivot. 
For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Today, I was joined with G. Sivalingam, who's the founder of Tulip Conference. Welcome back, G. Thanks, Keith. So, G, one thing I think everyone's going to really wonder about, because I get asked all the time, is last year, Tulip Conference, even though it was an emerging tech conference, people perceive it to be all about blockchain. And we established through press releases, through write-ups and media, that it was unique in that even though it was still during the ICO crypto craze, Tulip set itself apart, set itself apart as a blockchain technology conference, not as a cryptocurrency conference. So now people think that in our second annual Tulip conference, it's going to be another blockchain technology conference. But the pivot is that it's not just a blockchain conference. It's an emerging tech handling all these emerging industries. Why the change? I think it's good to uh, grow from where you started. You don't want to be stuck in the same place. Um, we started off by st- by providing a unique learning experience uh, during the ICO boom, as you said. We focused on education. We focused on teaching people what the technology was. And we were very successful. We are sold out. We had a lot of great people like Dr. Vanilla Singh, Dr., uh, Mr. Jim Madison from Kaiser. All these great people spoke. We realized that there are always going to be new and emerging industries. We want to Tulip want we want to be we want to make Tulip their home. We always want to provide new information, fresh perspectives, and that's the pivot for us. Is that our pivot was really taking the mini jump we did and doing a gigantic leap, and it's it's a big leap. You know, we have faith and we we have pulled it together. And I think that it's going to be awesome. Uh, it's it's come along really well. And uh, and if we hadn't taken that big leap, uh, we wouldn't have seen, we wouldn't have been able to do the things that we're doing right now in terms of positioning and seeing where the opportunities are. We see it because we're putting the conference together. We see across these ecosystems where are the big opportunities, the small opportunities, the micro opportunities. Uh, and it's kind of cool. And it was kind of an accidental discovery. So we believe in the pivot. We believe in the big leap. Uh, we want to be uh, a premier industry event for people in the Valley and globally. We have an international audience too. So that's 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 our vision. That's a good vision. I, I think one of the really unique things that I appreciate about Tulip is that you have all these different stakeholders that normally stick in their own crowd. So if you whether it's a the VC crowd, and you might get interaction with startups during a, a, a startup pitch, or you have an enterprise cloud, so the people who normally go to a Oracle conference or a VMware conference or a Microsoft conference, and now they're suddenly showing up with these other industry stakeholders, other verticals, and they can all collaborate. I think that's the, the part that's unique about Tulip versus a, a standard tech industry conference. Yeah, I mean... Bear in mind, we're all doing different types of businesses. They're all interconnected, right? 
blockchain people want financial solutions. Fin finance people want technology solutions. So why operate in different silos? You know, your customers. We're going to bring your customers too. I mean, we're all. That's how the world works. We just don't see them in proximity, and we see the same people over and over again. That's really another problem. You go to you if you're part of the blockchain conference or any other conference. I've talked to many people. They tend to seem the same people. Maybe for some people it's cool. You know, it's. I like to see some of my friends when I go to an event, but like after some point in time, it's just going to get boring. So you want to see new faces. You want to meet new people. You want to tap into new opportunities. So, so coming out of this year's conference, what do you think your two biggest predictions are? Um, I think that people are going to be pleasantly surprised that there's a lot of things that are happening in in parallel. Um, well, what do you think the money is? <laughs> uh, the money actually, interestingly, is is in is in fintech, um, and one of our uh, big um, showcases is like the combination of fintech and blockchain. So we realized that big institutions want new solutions. They want to. They're we're going towards a cashless society. So banks are going to be. Um, are getting disrupted. They're, the the idea of a physical store or a physical bank is just going to go away. Yeah. So they want they they want people. There's a lot of disruption happening. So I so I don't want to give too much away. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> well, no, no. I'm, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it as a, as a plug that Jamie Dimon, CEO of JP Morgan, who said he was anti Bitcoin and hated Bitcoin, and then he announced that JP Morgan's launching their own token. Did you know that? 220 financial institutions have already signed up a partnership agreement to transact on that token. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, I can create a token and I can invite you uh, and 10 other of my friends. And basically, we could all accept G's tokens, right? So um, it's great that, you know, banks have that, you know, um, they have they have the connection, right? They can They can basically sell their product and get all their friends to kind of Use their use the network. So, so G, with just the forty five seconds we have left, take it home. What do you want people to take away with for coming to the conference next month? Have an open mind. Uh, you know, we're going to educate you, entertain you, uh, and it's going to be a rock solid event. Um, you're going to experience a whole type of conference uh, that you've never seen before. And that's that's what we envision. Right. Uh, it's a week long great experience that you're going to you're going to you're going to have all right well gee thanks again for being on the show best of luck on next next month's conference if you have questions or comments email us at info at svn.biz and we'll see you next week you've been listening to silicon valley insider with keith Koo. for questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with keith about your business call 1-888-828-SVIN that's 1-888- 828-7846, 888-828-SVIN. 